get yourself some of this. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports, and it is back, folks. It is back with a bang. Your boy, BC, the Brian Campbell, the voice you absolutely hear as the State of Combat returns with another MMA edition, ripe and ready. You hear that voice, though, this guy, BC, a little bit under the weather as we return for another fight show, but I got to power through like a champion here. I'm washed. I'm 40. I'm a man. Come after me. All those good things, but I still want to power through as we have a pair of guests this week on the show. You, you're simply not going to want to miss. Former UFC heavyweight champion Junior Dos Santos stops by ahead of his March 9th return against Derek Lewis. And we've got UFC middleweight title contender Kelvin Gastelum, who a little more than a week from now will be heading down under to challenge Robert Whitaker for that 185 belt. Yes, all that more. You're going to hear from the wise man. We're going to break down Bellator 214, Fader, Bader, or was it? Bador Fedor. Look, it's it's up it's dealer's choice. It's really up to you. I may cough a bunch of times during this show. I'm sorry. I mean I am back. I back. Trust me. I back. But I'm also washed, so believe that. I, I don't really have a cough button, but I'll do my best to avoid getting any phlegm on you or any other fluids. Wow, that is just plain gross. Alright, we're also gonna look ahead, of course, to this weekend's UFC Fortaleza card in Brazil. Alright? Performance, enhancing audio, all the good stuff coming your way. Hey, let me bring in the co-host. Yes, South Florida's own CBS Sports writer, editor, college football aficionado, former North Boca state champion at left tackle, number 65 in your program, number one in your hearts. It's Brandon Wise. Yes. BC, you're sick, but you're always sick when you do this show because nobody else would have a soundboard the way that you have it. Well, the thing about me, Wise, and you'll learn this over time, is that my voice may be broken, right? This soundboard might not be working right, but there's one thing that is working. I could be fat. I could not have a six-pack. But my dick works. My dick works. So, you know, you're going you're to have to deal with that. Factor, right? <laughs> you're going right. to have to deal with well, that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hey, how you is also, You brought the cold weather down to me, apparently, because it's 55 outside and windy as hell. I can't go outside anymore in my shorts and T-shirt on. What gives? Yeah, you people who live in nice weather, I dropped a you people, are so weird when it gets cold. I was in, uh, I think I said this on the show, I was in Vegas for that Fury Wild. Remember that Fury Wilder fight? Not Vegas, Los Angeles in December. Yeah. It was, I think, 59 degrees that evening. I'm walking around in T-shirt, shorts, and sandals with no socks, right? Because I think I came from Connecticut where it was like 18 degrees. And every single person... Has parka, winter boots on, like, you know, uh, like 59 degrees? Really? We'll party at 59 degrees in Connecticut. Dude, it was 50 and raining on Saturday morning when I got up. I didn't know when I had moved to Maine. Like, this was so weird to me. It doesn't do that down here. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, Wise. All right? (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, Good old South Florida. Hey, you got crazy people in South Florida. I'm not talking about all the people you interview in all these MMA gyms, but... uh, I, I, I ran into that video on YouTube of that car accident and the guy comes out with like the machete and the hammer and he's breaking down the window. You know what I'm talking about. Florida's You've never crazy. seen that? Never seen it. I live it. I love it. Florida got some crazy folks down there. Dude, I mean, the videos you see of South Florida are just amazing. Like there was one this weekend I saw where a guy was on the hood of a car 
getting yelled at like while the car was in motion. There was a somebody down here on 95 that was on the hood of his girlfriend's car going 55, 60 down the highway. All right. Wow. wow. I'm not surprised, mother. Yep, not not <laughs> surprised. Is it the water? Is it that when you have that many nice days per year, it's just you're more apt to do crazy things? While I'm like, you know, in my basement office right now, no heat. Somehow nobody heated up this. There's no heat in this room, so you know I, I'm not that crazy. It's cold. You can't really be that crazy when it's cold. Yeah, I mean, we just don't stay indoors that often. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. All right, Wise, it's, uh, it's another week in MMA. We got, we got two good guests we really want to, uh, break down and get into. We got to talk Bellator 214, but before we do, before we break it all down, let's, let's throw to some business. We'll get all the MMA that you can handle coming up after this. All right, we're back. Bellator 214 this past weekend at the forum in Inglewood and Brandon Wise, truthfully, Englewood, always, always up to no good. But you know what turned out really good was that Bellator Heavyweight World Grand Prix. For the first time since, I don't know, the uh, George W. H. W. Bush administration, we have a Bellator Heavyweight Champion. And his name is Ryan Bader. Tournament, big success. Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> After we talked last week, I had to go back and think about all of the fights that I erased from my memory. Um, but yes, this, this was a success. I mean, given the names involved, given the results for the most part, I mean, I think it was 60% or 70% ended in knockouts. Um, yeah, this was a definite success for them. And truth be told, this was the best result possible. I think if you're looking long-term as Scott Coker probably is because Ryan Bader one, you can sell, but two, you actually know he's still going to fight, <laughs> and he can actually still defend both belts. So, yeah, this was overall a major success for Bellator. I would say at a tournament, the ultimate goal you want to produce is, is somebody that, that becomes a star from that performance. It was Daniel Cormier at the Strike Force Grand Prix, Andre Ward at the Super 6 Boxing middleweight, Super Middleweight Tournament a few years ago, and it's Bader here, and it's not that we didn't know about him, of course. Longtime light heavyweight contender and UFC Every time he was about to step up and get close to that title fight, of course, he would get sent to hell by somebody. Just one punch KO, left, right, good night. But ultimately, this was a, a, a I, I want to call it a star-making performance, this whole tournament for Bader. Because what I think deep inside, and look, he finished Fedor in 35 seconds in round one with a beautiful left hook. Same left hook he finished King Mo the Wall in about 15 seconds in, in round one of this tournament. It's not that he's, you know... That much different than the UFC guy, but I think he's improved. I think his confidence is up. But most important, I think he's figured out that heavyweight is the best version of him. Because, tell me if I'm wrong, are, are we emotional from this win and from him beating a washed Fedor? I feel like he's a top five UFC heavyweight right now, whereas at light heavyweight, where guys are a little bit faster, where that speed becomes a little bit more explosive. He just had warning track power when it came to elite level reflexes. That's why the Anthony Johnsons, the Glover Teixeiras, the Leota Machidas could send him to hell with one shot. At heavyweight, he's got the speed advantage. He's got the gas tank. He's got the wrestling. And he's got a sneaky good hands, as we're finding out. Bader figured out how good he can be. And he had to go to Bellator to do it, kind of like Dan Henderson did late in his career when he went to Strike Force, reinvented himself, came back to UFC for big money. I think Brandon Wise... 
even though he's the champ champ now in Bellator, that this at age 35 opens up the door a year, two years for Bader to come back to UFC and maybe have the greatest success he's ever had. I'm not saying he's walking in there and knocking out Stipe and taking John Jones's soul and doing all these weird things with DC, but he's for real now. Am I right? Top five UFC heavyweight right now, you think? I just threw it out there. Did it stick? I mean, what do you got? I mean, to be fair, (laughs) heavyweight is so thin at this point that it's not far off. But my thing is, like, he he said he came into that fight at about 225 on fight night. I just don't know if that's enough in this modern heavyweight era for UFC because those dudes come in 255, 260 most nights. Like, DC, I mean, DC came in heavy for his last fight. DC's thick, bro. Yeah, I mean, hashtag thick with two C's. But he came in at like 245. If DC gets his hands on Bader, I don't know. Like, the wrestling is going to kind of cancel each other out, but that's an interesting fight to say the least. I think, uh, I think Cormier is a really bad matchup for Bader, but, but go, go on down that list. You could Steve, make a case for him against the Stipe's of the world, the Nganu's of the world, right? The, the, I don't know about Kane. <laughs> Kane's not on this list, but Derek Lewis, I mean, they both have major power. It's just going to be, is, is Bader going to turn that into the Mitrione fight where he just takes him down and just holds him there? Um, and Ganu would be interesting, I think. Curtis Blades is interesting if he's still got a chin left after Nganu's sent him to hell a couple times. And then Alexander Volkov is number five, the former Bellator heavyweight. So, I mean, he fits in that mold. It's just, like I said, my concern is, is his weight that he's le- leaving on enough? Because, like I said, those heavyweights now in UFC in the top five all go 250-plus. Well, outside of Kane and DC, who I think are really bad matchups for him because they wrestle so well, you don't see a lot of great wrestlers in the heavyweight division. So when he did that to Mitch Rione, look, it's Mitch Rione, right? He's a guy who never could wrestle. He's a odd striker, you know, and, and can bang. But he dominated Mitch Rione, and it just kind of woke us up to, like, or woke me up to the idea that, like, we've seen this prototype before. A heavyweight who's a little bit on the small-ish side, but he uses speed and wrestling. Randy Couture, anybody? Like, this is something, this is a model that has worked before. I don't think the guys are going to have the same speed and explosiveness that he faces at 205. I think for DC, it's the same thing. Maybe DC can can get over the hump of anybody but John Jones. But at heavyweight, I think DC's got a much better chance because it's slowed down a little bit. I think that same slowing down will work for Bader who's got a great gas tank, who can wrestle, who can box. He's got some skills. I think he's, in the last two years of Bellator, has figured out who he is and how good he can be. I don't think he's as spectacular in real life as the King Mo and the Fedor knockouts played out. Those were just perfect punches that he set up perfectly, and it's one of those shots you don't see because it looks like a jab coming in. It turns into a half hook. Two beautiful punches. He's probably not going to do that against elite heavyweights, but I think – at the very least, he became the star of this tournament. Yet this tournament gave us everything we wanted. Fun matchups where guys had to fight each other where you're like, damn, what's Chael Fedor going to look like? We got that. We got certainly a lot of slop. And you know we wanted slop when you get the old-time names in here, like, you know, Chael Rampage. That was that was some some extra slop. I mean, we didn't have to use the uh, first one to a heart attack loses, the Dota 5000 rules, but we were pretty close on that one. And we got... Some emotional moments. Fedor getting two victories where, you know, tricked a few people into thinking he's back. But as much as this is all about Bader rules, Fedor was hella more washed in this Ryan Bader fight, it appeared, 
than he had been in the Frank Mir or Chael Sonnen fights that were just, what, six months, a year ago? And I know there were the rumors swirling that this could be it for Fedor coming into this fight. I know Fedor himself at the media day said, I think about retirement more and more and more these days. And I know, Wise, that he was never one to have a trim midsection, right? He's the, I mean, he's the original dad bod. That's why we love him. He's a cyborg, unemotional dad bod guy who just can get slammed on his head and bounce back a second later. But I felt he was extra flabby, extra fat. I didn't see the want in his face. And that's kind of a ridiculous statement because his gimmick is to not show you any emotion. I thought he was he kind of was like playing out the string here. Did you feel that? Yeah, that's why when we talked about it last week before the fight, when you were saying that there's fun matchups for him to still make if he win if he's able to beat Bader. Yeah, I was right. I was Yeah, you think? I was like, um, I don't know about that because he's like what, he's forty two now. He's been to the mountaintop already. This seemed like just that last crowning achievement to be able to say, look, I held like four different promotional belts in my career. I beat the best of the best. It's time to walk off into the sunset. Now, what you were saying before was interesting to me because Scott Coker said after the fight that this was the end of his contract. His contract only went through this and the rest of this tournament with Bellator and he would welcome him back, but he's going to leave that on Fedor's, this Fedor's doorstep to make that decision. I think Fedor needs to go away. Like, if there was nothing else from this, like, you just see how much his chin is gone. Like, and when he's facing elite competition, it's always going to look like that. I, to me, what what do you want to still see from him in Bellator, if anything? I want to see. Because, I look. I. It's like wired in my DNA. Like, there's two things I can't avoid in life, right? Gas station hot dogs, like, I don't care if I just ate a meal, if I came back from the gym. I walk in there and I see those things spinning on the, uh, on the thing. I gotta grab one. And number two, fights between old guys with big names, right? Especially guys in opposite different divisions. I wanna see him against all the slop they got down there at the South Florida retirement home, otherwise known as Bellator MMA. Vitor Belfort against Fedor, yeah, sign me up. Remember when Rory was talking about, well, maybe I'll go up to heavyweight and F around. What about Rory versus Fedor? Like, there's some slop fun crap you can make there. Did you ever see the movie Cocoon Wise? No. You never saw that movie in the 80s, Cocoon? I know the movie you're talking about. I've never seen it. All right, let me give you the synopsis real quick, okay? (laughs) There's these eggs that I guess fell from the sky or something, these craters, and they dropped into this pool at this, like, I don't know, old people home in Florida. And the old folks just started swimming in the pool, not realizing that there's these cocoon shells at the bottom, not realizing that inside the cocoon shells, there's aliens. And each time the old people jump in the pool, they get the the life from the cocoon that comes out of the cocoon, slowly kills the alien, it enters the old people's body. And suddenly, like, they're banging. They're getting out of the pool. They're playing pickup ball against youngsters, and they're doing, like, 360 dunks. They're going out. Like, they just have, like, it's like... Basically, they turn into 2013 Vitor with the Mohawk and the TRT. The, the, the name of the movie shouldn't have been Cocoon. It should have been TRT. But it's fantastic. And it becomes a moral dilemma of like, hey, old people, I know you found the fountain of youth and you like going out and dancing all night and not having to take Geritol, but you're killing these aliens, bro. But the reason why I bring that up to you, Bellator is that pool. And Scott Coker can give Fedor some alien life. And what that means is 
fight smaller dudes who cannot knock you out for big money. Yeah, here's the thing ultimately. Here's why I think Fader was talking about retirement-wise. Because he had to fight three times in basically a year for this tournament. And that's not really Fedor's style, right? He wants to go out to Russia, fight like Jeff Monson and just beat him up, whatever. Like, this was like kind of a big deal for him to sign up for this tournament. But I thought coming in, man, if you can give him moving forward some of those fun, cheesy matchups, how is he going to turn that down? He lives to fight. That's who he is. That's what he does. Until I saw him come in with, with, uh, with like a lot of love handled. There was a lot to love on Fedor this time. And there just wasn't much, much, you could just tell there wasn't much there, man. Can I just say that you might have a future as a, uh, a movie podcast host now? That was wow. amazing. I was enthralled yeah. by everything you just described from a movie 40 years ago. 40 years ago. Get out of here. You said it was in the 80s. We're in 2019 that's now, not, bro. We're not, that's not 40 years. I'm 40. Come on. That's not 40. <laughs> 1985, Cocoon. Great movie. Uh, they made so a How sequel. old is that? That's what, like 34 years? Oh, my God. 34 years? <laughs> good th- were you born in 85? No. Oh, good Lord. That's probably why. I, there was, a, there was a, a sequel, and I have no idea what happened in it. I've never seen it. So, yeah. All right. Lord. Anyway, um, yeah, I just – I don't know, man. I think everything that played out for Fedor was best-case scenario because he got Mir – but Mir was clearly not the same Mir anymore. He got Chael. He got the smaller fighter in Chael instead of getting Rampage because I think Rampage against, against Fedor would have been sick, by the oh, way. Oh, that would have banked. That would have been great. And then he ended up getting into the championship because he overpowered the smaller fighter. And we saw what he is against elite-level dudes that are heavyweight to light heavyweight. So I think I understand what you're saying about fighting like a Rory or a Gegard even. But at the same time... Those dudes are still in their career primes. I still think if he fights Rory or Gegard, those dudes are going to knock him out. Yeah, it would be fun watching. And I don't think they're going to one-punch him. I think that they'll light him up a little bit. And then, and the thing is, Fedor still has those sneaky, fast hands, dude. And if he lands one on those guys, I'm ta- I think I just talked you into Anderson Silva versus Conor McGregor. I think I just did. <laughs> God, this again. How do you not uh, yeah. want to see that fight? You want to see Anderson Silva against Conor McGregor? Yeah, and there's one reason why. You ready for the reason? What wait? Okay, wait. What weight class are we doing this? Uh, I think An- Andy said it. Uh, Andy, right? Yeah, Andy said that it would be uh, uh, 180. So uh, here's the reason why we have to see that fight, okay? Because because uh, it's two stars. It's a fight you never thought would happen. Kind of like Pacquiao de la Hoya. But the real reason. You ready for this? You don't know who would win. Wise, be honest with yourself. You don't know who would win. You don't know this, man. Anderson would win. Would he? He's yes, washing. He would bro. win. He's washing. He is washy. That's fine. But if it's a 180 pound limit, Connor was at 168 for the Nate fight at 170. So he's not even going to be close to 180. Yeah, but when was the last time Anderson got down to 180? You know, this is was- true. This is true. I don't, I, I don't want to see that. I just talked you into it. I just talked you you into that. I have no desire to see Anderson Silva wander around the ring, avoiding shots from distance, and then Vitor kicking Connor in the face to see him face plant. Wow, wow. Connor would light him up Pacquiao style. That'd be, it'd be a fun, it'd be a fun fight. Dana, uh, Dana hates that, by the way. Did you see that media day Anderson Silva had? 
And he did that long <laughs> spiel in the Andy voice of like, I want that fight, but Dana don't want that fight, but I want that fight, but Dana don't want that fight, but I want that fight. Uh, fantastic stuff. Like, he's, see the thing about Anderson Silva that's great is, uh, do you know why Canelo Alvarez won't speak English publicly? He understands English. He speaks it great. Do you want to know why he won't do it? Why is that? Well, okay, thanks, thanks, thanks. Cause, <laughs> because one time before the Floyd Mayweather fight, he did. You want to hear it? I was born ready. <laughs> born ready. Born ready. Uh, so, uh, and everyone heckled the crap out of him because here's this tough guy, and he can speak Spanish tough. But when he goes to speak English, it's like, I was born ready. And that's how Andy Silva talks, and he just embraces it, bro. It's amazing. I love hearing that guy talk. Can we talk about the fact that you keep calling him Andy? When, yes. when did this start? That's just, just weird. That's just <laughs> If you got Andy and Mandy for some reason. Those are your two best nicknames that you got in Arsenal. It just, just smells good. It is a beautiful aroma that arouses me. Uh, yeah. So, uh, hey, you still got any proper 12 left from the holidays in your uh... – No, I don't. Actually, I drink it all. All right. I'm sorry. So Fedor's washed, but uh, Bador took a giant step forward. He says that he is willing to defend both titles, but he has to sit down with Bellator. Give me some Bellator matchmaker here. What are the three best fights we can make for Bader? moving forward uh let's see i think that bader actually said that this new up-and-comer that they have uh vitali uh, nemkov i think is his name he's interesting in terms of like he's had a three straight big wins over somebody uh a few big names from bellator i cannot remember off the top of my head i'll come up with that in a second but he's actually not interested in that fight he would be interested in – it's funny because he said he wants to fight Tito. I thought that was interesting. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, he has to avenge one of the worst losses in modern MMA history, right? Yeah. Um, I think I told, I said last week I want to see him fight the winner of that Czech Congo Vitaly Minikov fight because I just want to see what Czech Congo looks like now in a title fight if he's going to get a push from Bellator at all because – Check Congo, man. You want to talk about being in the retirement home for a while. He's been in Bellator for a while, and he's never gotten a title shot. I'd, I'd see that fight. Look, the guy you're talking about was Vadim Nemkov, the 26-year-old Russian. Uh, he just took a split decision from Phil Davis. He stopped Liam McGarry. He's 10-2 and two overall. Two losses coming in Risen in Japan. But uh, here's the thing. That doesn't really move product. If I'm Bader now. I'd fight the winner of Congo, Minikov, because, by the way, Minikov was the last person to wear that Bellator championship, made his last defense in 2014, then decided to just stop fighting. They finally stripped him in 2016, made a mockery of this division. Bader can become the lineal Bellator heavyweight champion with a win there. Not that he really cares, but here's the deal. Make fun fights. Who do you make fun fights against? Washed heavies like Czech Congo and guys like Gegard Mousasi, the Bellator middleweight champion who has talked often about coming back up to light heavy, you know, shaking your, you're shaking your head. Why? No, you really want to watch Bader against Musasi. Musasi dares to be great, bro. Musasi just pulled out of a fight recently too. I I don't know, man. I Musasi is a small dude to be fighting at light heavyweight or heavy. I just I know he did it in the past with Strike Force, but I. To me, that's that's borderline dangerous. 
Um, somebody that I would think would be an interesting name floated out there if he's able to get his release from the UFC is somebody we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, Fabricio Redoom. I think that'd be interesting. Oh, I'm down for that. I'm definitely down for that. Uh, you know who's down for Bader is Chael Sonnen, who is now making a run on social media, Brandon Wise, saying, I'll take that title from you. Uh, are you interested in a light heavyweight championship bout between Ryan Bader and Chael Sonnen on Bellator? Chael Sonnen, who is one and two in his last three fights, I think. Yeah. <laughs> who looked awful against Tito Ortiz. Two year was it two years ago or last year? Uh, yeah, all the, all the above. And but by the way, that fight sells though. That does sell. Chael against Bader. Yeah, that's at most TV ratings, and that's what Bellator's into. I could see. I mean, I could see that moving ratings, but that's moving ratings because Chael can talk his face off. Like, it's not moving ratings. No, this is the thing. Bader being a double champion is fantastic. I am so happy for that dude because, like you said before, he has never gotten to this mountaintop. But he's also not a great talker. He's not a prom- he's not a great promotional dude. He's never going to be a guy who moves product for you. Shout out to Eight Man for getting their money's worth, by the way, off of him with his uh, his T-shirt and hack deal. Because that's the only time I've ever heard of that company. And it's not because ba- Bader is doing a lot of promoting for them. It's just because he's winning right now. I did. I just think no matter who you put him in there with, you have to do a promotional side because he's not going to do it for you. So if you're looking at it in terms of that then yes, Chael makes sense. Tito would even make sense. But I don't know, is there anybody else in Bellator that you can think of off the top of your head that's going to sell product like that? Uh, it depends. Look, I don't think he's going to be long for there. I said that. Even though he's the, the champ champ, I think this will refresh him and get him into UFC as a heavyweight sooner rather than later. Who can you do in the meantime? If you can get Frank Mara win, you know, that's oh. not a horrible TV fight. Crow Cop Bader, not a horrible TV fight. Roy Nelson Bader. I'm saying there's washed names that you can throw in there. Problem is light heavyweight. There's nobody at all. You can move up from middleweight. Guys like Musasi. Guys like Leota Machida. Welcome to the Machida era. We can have another Machida era in Bellator. But the whole point of this conversation wise is there's not much there outside of Rampage. Outside of these washed names that Bader's going to run through. I think you get a couple headline main events out of him and then he's back. In UFC. Just my take. Just my take. Put him in there with Jake Hager. Stop it. Uh, all right. Speaking on that, Bellator 214, Jack Swagger, the real American, made his MMA debut at heavyweight. His name is Jake Hager for all you non-WWE fans out there like Brandon Wise. And boy, did they serve him up something extra sloppy. And J.W. Kaiser, who came in with a 0-1 and one record, a lot of tattoos, looking to change the world, succumbs in just over two minutes via submission, round one with an arm triangle choke. It's going to be hard to give an objective take here because of the level of competition. But were you impressed for day one of 36-year-old Jay Hager in an MMA cage? Yeah, I would say so. Um, he gave a decent enough look at what he is, and he showed that wrestling background that he had from when he was at Oklahoma. Um I just don't know. We we still don't know what he looks like as a striker because he wasn't able to really do much there. Everything, all, all the damage he did came on the ground. He he almost got a Kimura as soon as he got um, Kaiser to the ground. He moved out of that. He did land some nice elbows to soften up the head before he ended up getting that arm triangle. So I think it's it, it was a good start. 
But again, you you still want to see what he looks like as a striker. I mean, he's a six eight dude who's really athletic. He if he doesn't have power, I I don't know how long he's how much longer he's going to be for this. You know, I'm with you on that. He was never a great talker in WWE, but I kind of like what he put forth in the interviews ahead of this fight. His intensity during this fight, how much it meant to him. It's going to be hard for him to be anything. He's an attraction. Can they get some creative matchmaking for him? You hope. Is the end game Lashley? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what the end game is. But, uh, yeah, I'll watch it. I mean, he'll probably eventually get sent to hell. That's sort of what these people do that, that sort of move over and try MMA. I mean, even Brock Lesnar ultimately hit that well on that ceiling, but it was fine. It was fine for a debut. Let's see what we can do moving forward. Obviously the, 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 the big story out of this 214 card was Aaron Pico. Seven fights into this, uh, six fights into this career as the uber prospect, the greatest prospect in MMA history. Wow. Talk about a detour. Talk about a roadblock. Hard hitting featherweight veteran Henry Corrales sent Pico to hell. Took his soul at 107 of round one via clean KO punch. Uh, wise, it's, you, you, you hate to do it. I told you so, but I've had fears for Pico. I felt that Freeman lost in his pro debut was a humbler for sure. I gave him credit for coming back. He got rocked in that. He got submitted. He was a weight class over his head. He took on too experienced of a guy for a pro debut. But then he started moving quick after a couple of jobber knockouts. And I noticed something. Defense wasn't up to where you'd want it to be because he's an aggressive dude. And he paid the price after flooring Corrales. It turned into a clinch war. And then once they separated, a short right hand took Pico out. Caught a two-piece on the way down. Wow. Uh, do you have the fear that this is the kind of loss that can break this kid at age 22? Yes, I do. But I also think that this is the kind of lesson he needed to learn. Because, good lord, if this was a video game, his defense rating would be like a 15 or a 20 out of 100. Because he just has no idea what he's doing when he's backing up and getting getting swung on, like it, it was really weird to watch because he goes on the aggressive early and, and credit to him, he did land and drop Corrales with that uppercut. But once Corrales got back to his feet, it was almost like Pico didn't know what to do. Like he saw him get back up and he was like, oh no, like this is not what normally happens. They go down and they stay down. Like, I, I think that he needed to get dropped like that to understand, like, hey, you can't just go on the offensive. You can't be the uber-aggressive, over-the-top striking guy that you think you are because of how you've knocked out other guys in the past with your body shots. He, man, he was out on his feet before he hit the ground, too. That was the scary part because when, you're, when you hit the back of your head like that, when you're unconscious, that's dangerous. I think he's going to learn his lesson from this. Hope, maybe he need a, needs a gym change to get some better coaching on that side of it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I hope he learned his lesson, and I don't think that this is the kind of thing that breaks him, but it will it should bring about a necessary change that he needs to make in his training. I hope it slows him down in his, in his pro, you know, progression because, like, he was open. He wanted to be the youngest champion in MMA history. He's 22. A lot of people thought a win here – being two consecutive fights against legitimate guys and Leandro Higo the last time out being the first one that he could get right into a Bellator featherweight title chance. And I just kept saying, feels too soon, feels too soon because 
you hadn't seen the consistent level of competition, right? He fought those get-well jobbers and destroyed them, but he's just all offense all the time. I think it's a philosophy change, and I encourage people to listen to that Joe, Joe Rogan Fight Companion podcast that he did aligned with this Bellator card. Him, Eddie Bravo, Brian Callen, Brendan Schaub. And Eddie Bravo told some stories of working with Pico right after the Freeman loss in his pro debut and how Pico's mindset was was more about, like, I'm going to come in and be the next Chuck Liddell, use my wrestling to stop people from taking me down and just be a slugger, where Bravo was trying to counsel him and say, look, you're a wrestling phenom. Like, there's no one that can hang with you wrestling. You should be ground and pound, limit the danger, and just destroy people. And I think Pico fell too in love. If you watch that and you hear that, it, it, it helps you understand that he probably fell too much in love with being that seek-and-destroy guy. And they were mentioning that, because we know he has Freddie Roach as his boxing trainer, that he dropped Miguel Cotto in some sparring. That was kind of interesting. Hmm. Wow. So, I mean, look. Cotto's pretty washed. Yeah, he's hell, hella washed. But, look, Pico can bang. I think he fell in love with it. I don't think this breaks him because he already showed a ton of mental toughness to come back after that pro debut loss. And, look, he's been doing this since he was Name the age, right? He's been a almost like put in the lab and created to be the most well-rounded fighter ever upon his pro debut. Bellator putting money into him when he was still in high school. I think he will bounce back. But I think him and Bellator have to sit down and have a plan now. And there's no reason to rush this plan. You got to make this guy into who he can become so he doesn't become something else in the process. Bellator ultimately is a weaker, slower path to the top than UFC. There's no reason why this guy can't get rebuilt, come back to the top, because all the skills are there, Brando, except for the experience and the maturity, and hopefully this will be the wake-up call, because you can't really have another night like this and still be the prospect we all thought he could be. Well, what's the matchmaking for him then? Because, like you said, the the thought going into this was if he wins, he's going to be up there for a title shot, and maybe that becomes like his star turn. Now it feels like he's back to the ground floor where he needs to to figure out, like you said, his training camp, his philosophy, his mentality going into fights. I, I don't know. We aren't very well versed on the Bellator roster, so we don't know what the next kind of fight would be. But you got to think they get you got to put him in there with somebody more wrestling based instead of a striker. Right. Yeah. You've got to look. You've got to look at this. I think like who look at boxing, for an example, top rank known as the best matchmakers when it comes to a promoter they know what they're doing meaning when they have a young hot prospect each step in that way you match him with a different kind of style a guy who's dirty and overly aggressive a guy who's slick uh you know you you get the full spectrum because you want those those weaknesses to be exposed in those sort of matches i know it's harder for pico because he's coming in with such fanfare all of his fights are must-see tv right for bellator it's usually a co-main event he's getting pushed hard I still think you can accomplish this without letting him become his own matchmaker. And I say that because every interview, he's the one who wants to fight for a title tomorrow. And you love that in him, of course. But there was no reason that his pro debut should have been a guy against a guy that experienced in a weight class over his head. He did it to try to prove how great he is. You just got to pull back a little bit. You're right. Give him a wrestler to come back against. Give him uh, you know, the different kind of styles. Let him learn from these mistakes before you put him in there with the kind of veterans who can fight coming off five fight win streaks like a Henry Corrales who's tough who will get rocked but get back up and keep fighting and now you got Corrales saying yeah I want Pitbull I want free air you know they fought a couple years ago last minute for Corrales got submitted 
But uh, that's an interesting fight. This was a big win for Kraus to get his name back up there. But for Pico, just take it slow, bro. You know, man, it's it's tough to see. I think this was one of the more recent shockers where it's just like, oh, man, right? I had that same feeling when James Gallagher, the Bellator prospect, the McGregor clone, got knocked out. It was like, oh, that guy was supposed to be something, and he still can. But they got to work on what's wrong. And what's wrong is Pico's too alpha. That's what's wrong. You gotta, you're gonna have to scale that back a little bit. Yeah. So a couple of things before we move on here. Like you said, Corrales, major props to that guy because the, he went through a three fight losing streak there that ended with the Pitbull fight that you mentioned. And now he's rallied and run off five straight wins. He definitely deserves to fight against Patricio again for the title coming up next. And you mentioned James Gallagher. The guy that he lost to when he got his clock clean, Ricky Bendejas, he didn't look that great this weekend in his fight against Juan Archuleta. He looked pretty average. So I think that speaks more to what happened with Gallagher in that fight than it does to how Bendejas looked in his win. Very true. Very true right there. Ben, Bendejas, you had me fired up thinking I was coming into uh, Pico Squared here. <laughs> I, I mean, he seemed like it coming in, but then – his game just got thrown off by Archuleta's movement, his his pacing, all of that. He just could not set up his major kicks the way that he did against Gallagher because he's not as uh, reckless as Gallagher was in that fight. All right, that wraps up Bellator 214. Before we get into some of the uh, recent headlines around the sport over the past week, hey, let's break into a little interview time. Brandon Wise, you were able to connect. With the great JDS, Junior Dos Santos, former heavyweight champion, who's in the gym in South Florida. He's an ATT guy, correct? Yes, sir. Getting fired up for Saturday, March 9th. Wichita, Kansas, of all places. It's a UFC fight night on ESPN+. And we're going to see Dos Santos in a banger against the great Derek Lewis, one of the great soundbite machines in MMA history. All the training and all the sex I've been getting. Yeah, my body needs to tell me. Where Ronda Rousey fine ass at indeed. Wise, uh, time before we break into this, uh, good times with the, with, with the Junior? It was good times. Uh, I told you before we started recording that American Top Team during the day versus American Top Team at night is completely different. Um, there are many, many children running around with like chickens with their heads cut off because they are just full of energy coming out of school and coming out of their MMA classes. So you will hear a lot of children screaming in the background. I apologize. Only the freaks come out at night at ATT. We know that. You'll hear a lot of shrieking going on. It sounds like people are getting uh, suffocated and killed. Uh, <laughs> hey, let's enjoy it right now. JDS coming at you. It's, uh, it's been interesting, right? Like, I mean... You've had two fights now since you got back from the suspension that we talked about the last time I was here. What are you looking forward to the most now with this fight with Derek? Do you think that this is the one that gets you back into that title picture? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Actually, right now, I, I don't think I need to do much more than winning fights to get that, that, uh, that title fight, you know, because I'm already qualified to be fighting for the title. You know, I already fought for the title before and People know me, you know, and uh, they know what I'm cap- capable of. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm keeping very positive. You know, everything is happening in a good way for me. And I want to translate all these things in good results 
and become champion. So Derek is going to be one more step for this. What did you make? I, the last time we talked was before DC fought Stipe for the title. And I don't think it played out the way anybody thought it was going to play out. How do you think that you would match up with DC if you did get another title shot and it happened to be him? Uh, I actually, I was talking about that and I would love to fight him, you know. I hope he consider to, to do one more fight or something, you know, to defend his title. Because uh, what I know is that, that after his next fight, he wants to retire. But, uh, man, for me, I, I really want to, to, to fight this one, you know. I never, I never fought him. But uh, I think, you know, he's a great, great fighter, great, great champion. But uh, it's the type of fight that I need, you know, to, to, to put myself where I want to be on the top of the world. Now, your boxing has really been what's propelled this comeback. How do you think that that's changed for you since you've gotten back in the octagon? It really showed against Taito Ivasa how strong your, your hands have been or have become even more of a weapon for you. Yeah. You know what? Uh, my boxing skills, uh, of course, they are my, my, my main uh, martial arts, you know. But uh, the thing is, they were always there, you know. But... Uh, Sometimes things doesn't work the way you want, you know, uh, the energy of the people around you or, you know, any, anything, anything can be an issue for you, you know, during a fight. It's all about uh, uh, good energy. And uh, I consider like 70 or 80 percent of the fight is all mentally mental. So you have to be focused. You have to be ready. To, to enjoy everything what you have, you know, to, to, to give in during the fight. So uh, right now I, I, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling this way, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having positive things in my life and I want to translate all this, like I said, and, you know, in positive results, victories. <laughs> so after you beat Tuivasa, you actually called for another rematch with Alistair Overeem. How did you end up getting this fight instead of Overeem? Yeah, that's what I what I thought at the moment because you know that would be a good you know because that that loss man it stays here it you know, yeah <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't I, no, I don't you know I know he did well congratulations for him but I don't accept that you know I think it was a, a early stoppage the the referee was wrong on that decision and uh, you know. I don't know. I, I cannot absorb that, you know. <laughs> of course, I cannot absorb any of the the losses, but that this one is in particular is 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 a bad one. So uh, yeah. I would love to fight him again, but I know he's never going to accept that again, you know. <laughs> Everybody knows how, you know, how scared he is, you know, and he wants he only wants to fight you when it's uh it's uh positive for him. It's uh on his terms. Yeah, yeah. On his terms. That's it. Perfect. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be good to fight him again. Now, Derek has a, has a bit of a, his persona is to be a little bit reckless when he's in there, when he's trying to throw and bang. Is that a concern at all for you? No way, you know, I don't really, I don't really care about this kind of things, you know. <laughs> I, I know he's a, he's, a, he's a different guy, you know, he's, he's huge, he's a, he has a lot of power. But uh, I don't really care, you know. It's uh, during the fight. It's all about me, you know. I, I think about. I have, of course, we have to to plan our strategy. But uh, it's it's all about me, you know. If I can, if I'm able to impose my game during the fight, you know, I'll win the fight. I know that. I am the 
I am truth. I, I was made of truth and I am truth, you know. No, few people can say that in this sport, you know. And nobody, nobody is uh, more truth than I am in this sport. They can be equal, but no more than me. Definitely. Now, did you follow everything that happened with UFC 232 with the moving of the event because of a USADA problem again? What did you make of all of that? And do you think uh, that there's anything that can be done to fix it? Well, yeah, that's a, that was a hard situation, and uh, you know, uh, actually, USADA is there to protect us, you know, to to make this sport a beautiful sport because everybody wants to see who's the the real champion of the world, you know. So I think it's it's important for them to be at, but they they do mistakes, you know. They did on my case, you know. I don't know what what happened, but uh, they did on my case, and I don't know if if it was the same thing now because my case was a. Uh, was a diuretic which is you can find every everywhere right you know and uh the thing that they found on john jones is different it's a uh, anabolic right so it's a it's a it's a little bit more complicated you know but i i cannot judge them you know i think the ufc would like would love to have john jones fighting again and they did they found <laughs> a way to make that happen and i think you know john jones fought very very well and he showed you know that you know he's a he's the the, the the best right now you know in this in this scenario mm-hmm. do you think he's gonna come up to heavyweight uh man i'm not sure but i would love to i would love to you know <laughs> i man I, my goal here is to fight the best you know yeah. that's what i want to fight i want to fight cormier you know because right now he's he has the the belt he's doing a great job so he's my he's my target you know, and uh, John Jones is considering the, the best of the whole times or something like that. So I want to, I want this big to have this this big challenge, you know, in my career. So I would love him to have, to, I would love to have him on the heavyweight division, and I hope he he, he can make it. <laughs> Do you think that heavyweight's kind of going through a little bit of a renaissance now because you're starting to build yourself back up into the top, title talk? Kane is coming back in a couple of weeks now to fight Francis. Who is another big name that's starting to that had a title chance that is now trying to work his way back up? Do you think that there's a bit of more intrigue now with all these names coming back? Oh yeah, for sure. You know the heavyweight division is always very interesting. You know we always have good times watching the heavyweights <laughs> go there and, and fight. You know, so uh, yeah, the, the, you know in my case, what I can say about my case, you know, uh, it's a uh, it was for me it was. It was so true. It was automatic. As some, I know that at some point I'm gonna become the champion again because I have everything what it takes to be the champion. You know, these guys they don't have, uh, they cannot uh, stop uh, stop me uh, forever. They can they can do they can delay my my goals. Yeah. You know, like they did before because I allowed them to because I did a lot of mistakes. But uh, but uh, you know I know I can I can make it again and I will make it again. So in the case of Velasquez, you know, we, I, I'm interesting to see it because uh, he's uh, more than two years out, something like that. Yeah. So that was something very curious. What what happened with him? You know, I don't know what happened actually. Nobody knows. I ask everybody, and nobody knows what happened with him. So I want to see what what's gonna be now. You know, because uh, like I said, I can say this, and I'm telling for you right now because I'm made of truth. I know I'm capable of to do anything. Doesn't matter what. I don't need external things to make my my uh, the, my goals happen. You know, 
I, I just I just need me. These guys, I cannot talk about them. <laughs> you don't think you're gonna ever do it again, do you? Have another fight with King? I would love to. You know, I would love to. Actually, ordering next for me sounds very good. Yeah. Even with Ken Velasquez, you know, I, the fourth fight would be amazing, you know, because uh, I, I know people that uh, people would love to see that, you know. And uh, also with Mio Cic, our third fight with Mio Cic, I want to have that fight too, you know. That was something great, you know. And this uh, this fight with Overeem, which is not going to happen probably, you know, because, <laughs> because of him. But uh, th those rematches would be very good to have them. And, but of course, the main goal is the title. So I'll do everything what it takes to, 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 to be the champion again. All right. I appreciate it, man. Props for JDS. Always a happy dude. And uh, I think the quote of this interview that stands out to me is, I am truth. I am the truth. I am the best truth. Nobody else has truth like me. Some people are truthful, but they don't have the kind of truth like I have the truth. Is that Gennady Golovkin talking or Junior Dos Santos right there? What the hell was that about? <laughs> I've never met a more positive dude in this sport than that guy because – for everything that's gone on in his life, he is still this happy. He's still just happy-go-lucky, wants to do anything he can to help people. He's grabbing kids, saying, hi, giving them high fives in the middle of the interview. But, yeah, that that was the robotic I am truth. I mean, you don't get any better than that, right? I'm not <laughs> – nobody's truth is as good as mine. Does that mean – I can knock you out better than anybody else. I, I don't even know. I don't know what any of it meant, but I was like fired up and bought in on it. What I did learn in that was, uh, man, he's not over that Alistair Overeem loss. I feel like he, you could offer him a title shot tomorrow and he'd be like, hold on. Let me go call through Overeem first. Call Alistair. Go call Alistair. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know I'm... he got sent to hell, but come on, dude. I mean, would you want to see that rematch yet? I, like, it's almost at a point where it's past its time just because they're both at the point now where you're either in the title picture or you're just doing fun matchmaking. And Alistair seems like he's at fun matchmaking oh, time. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think outside of the Brock win, he's been at fun matchmaking for a long time because he never could become what he could become. Although he did tap Stipe. Let's he be did. honest, right? Stipe felt it. All right. Uh, in that interview, though, JDS uh, talks about – a potential fourth fight with Kane. I, I, maybe he's the only one that really wants that. But did you hear the weird disdain in his voice when he was talking about Kane? When he's like, last two years, where has he been? Nobody really knows. What happened? I think I know. I am truth. I am the only truth. Is he trying to say without saying it that Kane's been listening to the performance enhancing audio? What was that whole sequence about? I want to say that he's got a conspiracy theory that Kane got a secret surgery or like that he's been like quietly suspended by USADA that nobody's been told about. But again, he has no backup plan or no, no info to back that up. So he's just like, I I've been asking everybody. Nobody can tell me what's going on with Kane. So I don't know. I think he's just mad because Kane killed him twice in their fights and he bested him in his career like he's Kane is clearly better than JDS and those two put together three of two I say sorry two of the best heavyweight title fights we've ever seen so 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I mean, I'd be interested in that fight only if it makes sense down the line for a title situation. But look, JDS seems to be in a good spot physically, seems to know his skills right now. Where, you know, a couple years ago, we were like, is it already over for him? This fight against Derek Lewis on March 9th, we're certainly going to have much more time to break it down as it gets closer. But, man, this might be a bag of sex. This thing is, is just, they're going to bang. Yeah, I, I think you kind of have to favor JDS in that fight just just from a physical standpoint because we never know where Derek Lewis is at physically. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Dos Santos, he's, he is a really intelligent boxer in that regard. So when he can be in there with the more aggressive types, he can go back to sort of a safety valve of working behind that jab and sort of limit the destruction that he could potentially face. Tough matchup for Lewis unless he can lure him into a war I don't know what Derek Lewis's trajectory would look like if he took a loss here, though. I mean, is this going to be a guy that is going to spiral downward for a while and take a couple of L's and just keep cashing checks? It's like, I wonder if he'll ever be close to the guy he was with that come-from-behind knockout just two fights ago that really had no business getting to begin with in a fight that he had lost almost every second. Yeah, again, that bell curve of his career is going to look really weird if he loses this fight because, like you said, getting the Volkov win... Getting to the DC fight, but losing the DC fight, and now slowly deteriorating back down to average heavyweight. It's just, it's weird. The UFC straps their their brand to these names every now and then to try and push them for title shots, and then when it doesn't work out, it looks like Francis Ngannou. Yeah, and then Dana blames you. That's that's it. That's exactly. the circle of life in the UFC. No question about it. He makes gun signs with the right hand and animal balloons with the left hand. So you're a credit to the community. Uh, Speaking of Conor McGregor, he got trolled this week by the great featherweight champion Max Holloway, who showed up in Dublin, then went to the, uh, to who's, did he go Jameson Whiskey? He went to Jameson, yeah. Then he's shown up at Croke Park, which is a spot, of course, that McGregor has always wanted to fight at. What the hell happened here? You want me to tell you? I don't know. <laughs> is this James? Did this? Do you think the root of this is Jameson saying, "Look, Connor's on our block with this proper twelve. Let's take a guy who's potentially could be Connor's next big rival, give him some money to come on a plane, and then we'll put a bunch of pictures on social media." Is that what this was? Eh, I don't think it's that in depth. I think Max has been on vacation for the last few weeks. He was actually in Orlando in uh, Disney hanging out with some like local people. He actually hung out with the UCF quarterback, Mackenzie Milton, who's also from Hawaii while he was on vacation over there. They spent some nice time together. There were some cool pictures of those two together. Uh, I think he's just on vacation, man. He's, he's enjoying being a champion still. He's enjoying that paycheck that he got from beating Brian Ortega. And he's taking his family to see all these new things. Um, I think it's very fun and hilarious that, he happened to be at the Jameson Distillery and just started saying about how this is the greatest whiskey in the world. I thought that was all great because we don't actually see dudes do this all the time. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it's any more than that. I think it was just fun timing and fun uh, Twitter Twitter jokes going back and forth. All right. We do have reaction from GSP. I think you should shut shut up. You're embarrassing yourself right now. Are, are you still drunk right now? Are you still drunk? Oh, or what, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's too that's too far, GSP. Um, yeah. Look, you want to go in this direction and make this fight UFC? We know Connor probably coming back against Cowboy makes a lot of sense. We would think he's eventually going to get a rematch with Habib because the money is too good. But what if you detour 
into the max rematch first. What if you do it at one five five so that Connor doesn't have to suck himself out and lose? Hmm. I wonder if there were more legs to this than just, oh, Max is on vacation and he stumbled into Jameson. I wonder why. Anyway, uh, what else we got in the news? As we record this, of course, there's the hearing in Las Vegas on Tuesday between involving Conor McGregor and Habib Nurmagomedov from UFC 229. We'll also get the update on John Jones's situation. Is it a picogram or a pictogram? Is he microdosing? Are we playing the fool? Are you once bitten, twice shy? Is John Jones a clean fighter? We may have more answers on Tuesday. We may not. Uh, tough to predict that, but uh, Vegas ain't throwing the book at either of them. Spoiler alert, and you know this. Yeah, the biggest thing that we're going to find out from this is if the commissions are going to be able to um, give their licensure to Connor, Khabib, or John Jones again, um, because that's really what this hearing is for, is to decide punishment for Connor and Khabib, and now this is about John Jones getting his license back in Nevada, because he's supposed to fight at 235 in March on the main event in Las Vegas, and if he doesn't get his license, then UFC's back to the drawing board once again for a pay-per-view. Somebody called the forum. I feel like, uh, look how drastic of a of a move that was to move an entire card for 232 on six days notice on Christmas week. There's such unprecedented elements to that. I feel like John Jones is Teflon the rest of the way now. Like, I mean, I know that it happened because Vegas suddenly stood up and was like, hold on, we're not going to sanction him. Well, it was mostly because their commission was on vacation, blah, blah, blah. I just feel like, what are you going to do to him now? What did he get the last time? A four-year suspension that was reduced to 15 months? It's Yeah. Like, the only other thing you can do is lifetime ban him at this point, but you can't really lifetime ban the dude after you said, well, it's not from a new test, it's an old sample or something. It's just, it's just I, this a mess. just looks, it makes everybody look idiotic. And I, it, it's, it's hard for all of us to sit here and believe and say, oh yeah, it's just lingering in the system from the past. It's like, because nobody else would have been given that opportunity to have that happen. It's, it's just, man, for this thing to, if this is gonna keep popping up every fight, oh, we found a couple more pictograms! Like, hey, UFC USADA, get ahead of the science on this. And until you do, don't let John Jones fight. I really think it's that simple-wise because you're making everyone look like an idiot. But at the end of the day, nobody cares because people want fights because fighting is fun. And this is a business, and people want to pay money to see fun fights, and they really don't care in the end. That's why this is not a bigger deal, Brandon Wise. This is what I told you when we first heard about this. That's why I said I don't want USADA or Vada in this business anymore because I just want to watch John Jones fight. So I are you, really pull, care are if you going the uh, crazy? They all, they should all juice and we don't care anymore thing. What, what, where, where do you, where's the end game on that for you? Do you think just legalize everything or just I don't care? I don't want to see results. Hashtag legalize it, bro. Would that work though? Serious for a second. If if you legalized everything and then you said okay, you have to disclose what you're taking. You're still going to get tested. But you have to disclose what you're taking. Is that a better plan to say, okay, you have to put down everything you're set, you're taking. Then we'll test you. And if there's extra stuff, you lose. I'm fine with that. I think instead of – what about instead of just taking people off cards for this kind of stuff, why aren't they just getting fined? I don't – like – People just want to see the fight, and obviously both guys know that they're both looking for competitive advantages wherever they can find them. 
So why not just do a fining system instead of just completely blowing up a card six days out or four days out, whatever it is? Because once you take the lid off of that and you let that smell out, and I'm not talking about the Conor McGregor aroma that arouses him, that smell of we don't care about safety, hey, kids out there, cheat, dude, cheat more, cheat a lot, just cheat, man. All right. All right, that's extreme, but okay. I'm not saying I'm believing. I'm not saying I'm ready to hand up a picket sign and stand in the corner and say, if you legalize drug testing, I'm out. I'm saying you have to keep up a front. So is that why baseball did it? Is that what your theory is? Because to me, the baseball one's even more ridiculous than fighting. Like, fighting, you're literally punching people until they fall and their brain stops working. I don't understand it. I think the... The lawsuit endgame is good. It's just it, it would get wild if there's no rules and no drug testing, because somebody's eventually going to die. And by the way, somebody is eventually going to die. And I don't say that for fun or sport. Uh, have you been a boxing fan at all? Guys die all the time because you're punching each other and kicking each other in the head. You know what I mean? Like it it hasn't happened high profile, thank God, in MMA. But this sport is so young, it will happen. Yeah. And and I guess you want drug testing in place. But we are getting to a point where the systems are so broken. The cheaters are so ahead of the game. You're right. At the end of the day, people just want to see the fights. Maybe the, maybe the answer is just being up front and saying, yeah, I took this, this, and this. We'll test you for it, and if it all matches up, you're in the fight. If your opponent signs off on what you took, you're in the fight. I don't know. We'll get there. But Matt Brown doesn't believe uh, <laughs> the UFC has handled this right with John Jones. Uh, a, a number of guys are coming out with that opinion. Your boy Matt Brown also wants to fight uh, Perry again? What's going on here? Yeah, he said if Perry wants to get his ass kicked, he'll take that fight any day of the week. Um, I'm interested in that just because those are two very violent human beings to begin with. Um, but outside of that, it's just like, yeah, that's another fill-in-a-pay-per-view event. I'm down with that. All right. All right. I mean, I'd watch it. I'd watch it. Um, for Bruce, go- what do you got? What do you got for me? Sorry. To go back to what we were just saying, though, about how violent and crazy the sport is and how we're probably going to get to the point where people are dying after fights there's justin gaethje today on talking about five round mma fights yes. those two rounds especially for someone like myself are the most dangerous rounds that there are if i do pass away or suffer a serious injury it will probably come in the fourth or fifth round and so that's my only complaint again that's a small complaint these are the people we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis they don't care they, their brains are wired in such a different way that they don't care. They are in it for the sport and to end somebody else's night with a knockout. Like, I, I don't know. To me, that's the only thing that gets me fired up about this is that this became such a big deal in baseball. Then it became a big deal in fight sports because of the lawsuits and that Dana wants to make the sport look clean like the other big four major sports. I just don't think it works in this environment. I really don't. That's it. That was an interesting quote from Gaethje for sure. I don't necessarily disagree. I've always sort of privately had issues with the fourth and fifth rounds because it's great when you got a, let's say, a, a Dominic Cruz and a TJ Dillashaw who are in there and doing high-speed chess. And you're like, we need those extra two rounds to really, you know, you want a young Jacek and Rose Namajunas in the rematch. It's great fight. But there's many other fights where the fourth and fifth round, you're watching, you know, Robbie Lawler and Roy McDonald. You're watching uh, Bigfoot Silva and Mark Hunt the first time around where you're like, somebody's going to die in there because you mix in the level of exhaustion with the punishment they've taken. 
I still don't agree that every fight needs to be every main event needs to be five. I'm not even sure every title fight in every division needs to be five. I know you got to have unified you know rules across the board, but I don't think he's completely wrong in what he's saying there. I'm fine with that. I mean, so my question has always been just because I don't follow it, the rules and all that stuff as closely is why did they always establish this as five minute rounds as opposed to three like they do in boxing? Yeah, that's fair. Because that that's what makes everything kill these bodies even more is when you're when you're forcing an additional two minutes every round. And even though there's not as many rounds, it's still incredibly taxing on the body and, and the brain to take that kind of punishment for additional minutes without breaks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on there. I'm with you on there. It's going to be a hard change because it's sort of been there for so long. But ah, I, look, what, what's going to change anything, unfortunately, is a, is a big bad situation, which will make everybody look into what's happening there. Let's hope it doesn't happen at all. Not likely, but we'll see. Hey, Fabricio Verdum, as you mentioned, does want out of the UFC, wants to continue his career elsewhere. Is he talking belly? Is this what he's talking about, Coker Line 1? Mm, I think this has more of the uh, Chechnya yeah. persuasion written on it. All right. All right. The big, leagues of, <laughs> the big leagues of MMA. Yeah, I know it's your first time involved in something like this. Welcome to the big leagues. Um, after this, you'll be back to the undercard, believe me. Uh- wow. Harsh, harsh words, Bisping. Um, I don't know if there's any fights left I care about with Fabricio Verdum. We had a good run there. Yeah, I'm about the same. All right. Uh, speaking of Bellator, uh, it's on for that April 27th date was announced. It's the welterweight championship as part of this Grand Prix when Rory McDonald, fresh off that destructive loss to Gaygard, will take on the ageless John Fitch. And we're going to see Alima Leigh McFarlane back, the growing Hawaiian star in a title fight against someone you never heard of. You fired up by this card? <laughs> um. I'm fired up in that I really hope Rory bounces back from that loss. I really hope that it wasn't a destructive thing to his uh, his uh, trying to think of the word his uh, aura his that's fine that works <laughs> his personality his persona. Um, I was just I really hope that he is able to bounce back. Just say hey, I took a chance. It didn't work out. Now let's get back to work. You know, John Fitch is an, an interesting first matchup for him just because he's considered such a boring fighter and a wrestler that hopefully Rory can make that an interesting fight. Um, and I really I'm interested to see what McFarlane looks like now. Like, let's see if she gets that push like she did when she was in Hawaii over last year. I'd like to I'd like to see them push somebody like that and give them a chance to be that superstar that we talked about before. I'm with you on that. And for Rory, this really is the best physical matchup to come back to aging boring wrestler i mean it just seems to make a ton of sense but uh i i never like i thought it was really weird that a he would be a part of this grand prix tournament when he's the champion and that b he'd be insistent that he would fight gaygard in a middleweight fight just months before it this just doesn't make a lot of sense wise even under the precipices of dare to be great it just never really made much sense why rory would do this he wanted to. That was really the crux of it, it sounded like. He wanted to be a part of the tournament. He didn't want to sit on the sideline for another, what, year? Because that's how long this tournament that. would take. I can respect that, but I, I think it's better if that tournament produced uh, a, a title challenger for him. So maybe in the meantime, he should have took two sort of big-picture fights, you know, out of his division. One against Gegard, one against whomever. 
And the, I don't know, I don't know what the right choice is, but it's, it's all friggin' interesting. Hey, let's get to our final interview of this show. Shout out to our guy, Bill Ryder. You may have know him as our CBS Sports HQ personality. Each weeknight, 5 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports HQ show Ryder's Block. You definitely want to check that out. Bill Ryder interviews some of the top names in sports, breaks down his opinions around all sports to share with you. Big UFC guy, our friend Bill Ryder, and this week he had middleweight title contender Kelvin Gastelum on ahead of that UFC 233 card coming up down under. 234 card. What was 233? Did I miss it already? No, that's the one that got canceled. Oh, yeah, that's why my math is off. 234 down under. Check it out. Enjoy. All right, Kelvin, looks like you're somewhere warmer than I am. Thanks, uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for making time. Yeah, man, I'm out here in California and, uh, I'm living life, man, living the dream. All right. So as we just mentioned, you've got Robert Whitaker coming up. Middleweight belt, UFC 234, around the corner, February 9th. How are you feeling? Where Where's your head at? Where's your headspace at getting ready for that fight? Yeah, I'm just 100% focused right now, uh, getting ready for this big fight, the biggest fight of my career. I mean, these are two young, hungry lions going at it. I don't know how long it's been since it's been uh, two guys under under 30 years old fighting for the middleweight title. So uh expect to see some fireworks for this fight because cause it's – I'm bringing it. I know Rob's bringing it, and uh, it'll be a good fight, guys. You, you said it. Life is good. Your your first title shot, as you let that sink in, how is training different? How is the day-to-day different, knowing that when you get in that octagon, what you're fighting for is the top of the mountain? Right. Well, honestly, I've been around this environment for a long time. been training for main events uh, for a long time. I've been training for these type of environments for a long time. So having this big fight is is um you know it's just another day it's just another fight except this time they put a belt around me and it just feels like any other fight that i've had i've had some pretty big fights in my career and um this one just happens to be the the one that that i've been looking for you know and i'm i'm pretty confident in, in the training that i've had the last few months pretty confident in my abilities that that i'll be taking home the strap uh, on february 9th middleweight division is particularly stacked i mean there's a lot of impressive fighters when you beat Jacare, what was your anticipation? What was your expectation about what was going to be next for you? Boy, well, that was a hard fight. I just remember thinking or being backstage, just thinking how hard of a fight that I just had. I was laughing it off. Um, but that was one of the hardest fights that I've ever had against Jacare. And I knew that the winner of that fight should should get the title shot. And, and sure enough, they gave it to me. Um, and... You know, couldn't be happier with the results, man. I mean, this is what I've been training for my entire career. This is this is the big fight. You know what I mean? And and this is the type of moments that I've I've been waiting for. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna seize the opportunity and just make the most of it. Have fun doing it. And the division all of you guys compete in is always out of the fire into the frying pan. Whitaker's won what I think nine fights in a row. The last two have been remarkably gutsy. This is a very very tough guy, which I know you're aware of. What do you need to do? What is key for you to get the outcome that you want? You know what? I just need to go in there and be me. I feel like if I can be me and be the pressure fighter that I know I can be, then this fight's not even going to be close. I mean, in my last fight, I had one of my coaches telling me they wanted me to pull out of the fight just because I wasn't able to get uh, proper training the last few weeks of that camp. 
I had my and an injury in my in my ankle, and I still went out there and um, won the fight. Now Rob's gonna have to deal with me, 100% healthy, 100% in shape, and man, I'm I'm just expecting an, an overwhelming fight for him. You know, this, I I expect to not even make it close. You're gonna be heading to his home home turf, his home soil yeah. of Australia. I mean, so like the idea of being the spoiler, being the villain to, to the folks who are going to be there, rude and obviously yep. for the hometown guy. How does that motivate you? Yeah, well, like I said, I, I've I've had some pretty big fights already. You know, I I went to Brazil and fought Jacare in Rio. That's his hometown. I went to Long Island and fought Chris Wider and literally in his backyard. And I went to Fortaleza in Brazil and fought Victor there as well. And so this is not the first time that I've been in this kind of position where. I'm not the hometown guy, and uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, I've been the spoiler before. All right, so when you get the win, when you're in Australia and you're the champion and it's your turn to decide, or at least hopefully have some influence, if Dana says to you, all right, man, where do you want to fight? Like, what, what's what's home turf for Kelvin? Where do you want the next fight to be? Yeah, definitely Vegas. Vegas, man. It's close to Arizona where uh, all my family is and all my friends are, so. I'd like to be able to make it in Vegas. You know, it's interesting. In everybody's career, in mine, people, whatever they do for a living in yours, there are these turning points that maybe few people know about that have propelled people to where they are or who they are. What's something that maybe few know about you that shaped you as a fighter, that shaped your career, that's part of the reason you're sitting here talking with us? Oh, man. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've been in the public eye for a little while, and, and my uh, – my successes as well as my failures have been very public. And I think those, those, those are the things that have made me into who I am and, and, and pushed me in, into the kind of person that I am now. You know, you, you, my life has been uh, pretty public ever since I was on the Ultimate Fighter about seven years ago. And I've had some struggles along the way, you know, but I've, I've overcame each and every single one of those struggles to get to where I am. I mean, I've, I have fallen multiple, multiple times. But each time I got right back up on the horse, and now you see me here. You know, it just—it's it, a testament of of of, of grinding and, and and will, man. I mean, that's that's all it is. You know, it's getting back on your feet and and trying all over again, man. Failure is part of the process, and uh, unfortunately, all right. Your friend uh, Henry Cejudo, who did not fail, shocked everybody with what thirty-two yeah. second TKO of Dillashaw. I talked to Dillashaw on the radio. The week before, so what were your feelings when it happened? And I want an a, 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 a unbiased perspective. Do you think maybe maybe they stopped that fight a little early? You know what? I do feel it was a little premature, for sure. Uh, but I felt like it would have been five, ten more seconds of the same. You know what I mean? So maybe it was exactly at the right time. I felt like Henry just would have uh, continued what he was doing. You know. Dillashaw was holding on to a single leg while he was getting smashed with hammer fist in his face on an Olympic wrestler. He was never going to get that taken. All right, so let's do a couple predictions for you. Let's start with the other co-main event. Who do you think atop the car with you guys in the other fight is going to come out on top? That's an interesting fight, man. I'm actually really excited to watch that. Uh, I just think they're going to go in there. They're going to play into each other's styles. You know, Stylebender and Anderson Silva have some of the most elusive uh, striking that has ever been seen inside the octagon. So it's going to be pretty amazing to watch. And you never know. I mean, the old man uh, Anderson can pull something off. I mean, he's he's a legend for a reason. And, and I think uh, 
I think he pulled something off uh, under his under his uh, his sleeve there. We got an old guy in the Super Bowl. Why not an old guy at UFC 234, right, getting it done? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And there's title implications in that fight for him, too. You know, he wins that fight. He gets the title. Yeah, fight. no doubt. And, uh, you know, the next champion of this uh, division has, has got his work cut out for him. I mean, you, there's a passing of the torch going on right now in this division where you see young guys coming up, like Stylebender, like Paulo Bojatina, who's just a monster, uh, you know, you got Rob, who's already the champ, and you got myself. And there's, you know, the the, the champion's got his work cut out for him. That's for sure in the next few fights. All right, last question for you real quick. I think I know who you're going to take, but give us some details. What is your prediction for your fight? <laughs> I expect it. Man, I'm expecting a first-round knockout. I don't know why I feel that way, but I do. Uh, but I, at the same time, I'm ready for a five-round war. And it's gonna be fun, man. I'm gonna have fun doing it. I know Rob uh, is coming to bring it. I'm gonna be bringing it. And uh, I mean, I just, I just want to go in there and not even make it close. A la a la Henry Cejudo. All right, Kelvin. <laughs> I love it, Kelvin. Appreciate the time, man. Good luck uh, in Australia. Take care, guys. Thank you. I'm sitting down with Billy Ryder there. But people don't know about Bill Ryder, by the way. He's a riverboat gambler. This guy's got an Iowa backbone, Midwestern tough. Don't show up to the card table with this guy, Bill Ryder. He'll be the last man standing, all right? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, that. Uh, hey, Kelvin Gaslam sounds, sounds, sounds pretty confident. I've heard of a lot of, you know what? I've been here before. All right. All right, bro. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's been here before because – Fighting an Aussie or a news or a, a Kiwi in Australia is never a fun task to take on. And by the way, you're fighting the toughest dude you've ever fought in Robert Whitaker, probably. So good luck to you. Uh, I have my doubts, but I, I I hope this is an interesting fight because I was thinking about this earlier today, BC. Does this not feel like a a a stay busy fight for Robert Whitaker? while they try to figure out another challenger for him. I know we talked about before that Israel Adesanya might be next for the title if he beats Anderson Silva. But even so, even if they didn't have that plan in place, this still doesn't really feel like a big middleweight title fight. This just seems like another one of those like this weekend that we saw in boxing, uh, Josecito Lopez against Keith Thurman. I think I think that's a great way to say it. It is. It, look, it's certainly a fun fight. It's going to be interesting. But Whitaker's coming off some hellacious fights, right? The two fights with Romero... He had, I mean, he had to get through Jacare before that. He's fought, fought through a ton of injuries. Yeah, this is put him in Australia in his home, move some tickets, and then set up the guy who has next. And I think UFC really put themselves in a no-lose situation with that co-main event where you get my boy Spider Silva going in there against his clone, against the guy who's has next in Israel, Adesanya. If Adesanya wins like everyone believes he will, then talk about a commercial to do an all-down-under uh, Kiwi card there, whether you do it in New Zealand, whether you do it in Australia – between Adesanya and Whitaker. I think that's fine. Gastelum's certainly a live dog, but like he lost to Chris Weidman not too long ago. Like, I'm, like him getting the title shot at this point did feel a little bit like, oh, okay, okay, well, I, I guess Romero can't get three straight chances and he misses weight every other time anyway. So I guess, you know, even though I thought he did beat Whitaker the second time, but yeah, it is that. We'll see what happens. Whitaker should win as long as he's back from injuries, but it's certainly going to be a tough bout. Looking forward to it, of course. Uh, yeah. That's all I got. That's all I got on that, all right? 
We'll have a more full preview next week when we talk about 234 as a whole. But how dare you disrespect Chris Weidman on this show? Look, Show that man some respect. I just need you to understand one one thing. Hold on, I got a cough. Let me hit the cough button. All right, all right. Luckily, that didn't make air. Uh, I need you to understand something, okay? Here's the real <coughs> truth. Anderson Silva lost twice to Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman didn't beat him twice, though. Yes, he did. That's fine. You can say whatever you want, but he knocked his ass out the first fight, and then Anderson Silva's leg exploded the second time. He couldn't do anything about that. And your boy Weidman telling TMZ that he wants Bones Jones. You don't want that smoke, Chris. You don't. All right? Call up my guy Luke Rockhold and have a nice little washed fight between former champions. Your boy Luke Rockhold wants the same smoke. What are you talking about? No. Luke wants something different. GSP. I don't know what I need to do. You want me to beat some sense into no, you? No, that's, that's, an, that's an old sound bite. Um, yeah, so, look, make that fight. That's the real fight. There's a reason why I have the poster of the Rockhold Weidman UFC 199 card that never happened on my wall, okay? <laughs> that's a fun-ass fight. Don't... They tried to make it. They tried to make it. And they will make it. You don't want to. And somebody, somebody got hurt, Brian. Who got hurt? I, th- I think that was your boy who got hurt. Let Brandon Wise's guy, Anthony Smith, Walk into the Terror Dome, okay? You don't want that, Chris Weidman. Anyway, we have to get into the week and ahead. And there's a UFC fight night card from Fortaleza, Brazil, on ESPN Plus, the second of the pluses. When's the debut ESPN card? Do you have that in front of you? That's Kane. Kane uh, Francis Sunday on night. February 17th. Yes, yeah, Sunday night, February 17th. A hell of a good main event right there. Can't wait for that one. But this Saturday night from Fortaleza, You've got a rematch in the main event. This is a heavy Brazilian card in Brazil. Makes a lot of sense. But that main event, oh, hell yeah. Rafael Assuncao, who is on fire right now in his run to try to get a trilogy bout with Bantamweight champion TJ Dillashaw, if TJ can get his soul back from uh, your your boy uh, Henry there, against Marlon Marias. Wise, tell us what happened the first time these two met. Oh, man. Let's see. I just think that this fight, first of all, this should have been the co-main event. I don't understand why this is the main event. I do understand, but I still don't because why is Jose Aldo not the main event in Brazil every time they fight? Yes. Anyway, um, the first time – I'll give you the answer. I'll give you the answer right now, okay? Because Jose's smart. He's not going to take a five-round fight for three-round money. Thank you. You're right. That makes sense. Uh, the first time that these two fought was at UFC 212 in January or January in June 2017. Asunsao looked better than he had in a while. He was on that crazy run, um, but Marais just didn't get the decision that he thought he should have. And Marais, for to his credit, that's his only loss in like six years. <laughs> so to run this back makes the most sense and. Marais probably deserves the title shot. This is, I think that they dubbed this a quote unquote title eliminator. I don't think that's going to be like bringing on one of those fancy new belts into the ring or anything this week, but this should be a title eliminator at Bantamweight because honestly, who else is there for TJ? I like this fight a lot because look, Asuncio, say what you will, he's 36, but he's 11 and 1 since 2011. 11 and 1! The only loss, of course, the rematch with Dillashaw when he got dominated at UFC 200 and lost a wide decision. Considering their close fight a couple years, last year, two years ago, this is a really interesting fight. 
the winner should get the next title shot unless Henry Cejudo is going to slide in them DMs and get it himself. But this is not a deep division at the moment. This is the fight to produce who is next in line. I love it. And I think the role that Asuncio's been on, he's got to win this. He's got to win this fight, man. Yeah, I just – do you want to make a pick already? Because yeah, I, I'm a pick. I'm taking Marais in this one. I just think he's going to have a lot more to, to gain here. He's He's been on this crazy run. He's never really shown that he's afraid of the moment or anything. He's going to go out there guns blazing, and I think he's going to get this and finish this in probably the second or third round just because – I, I'm. I have my own questions about Mar- about Asuncao's chin coming into this at 36. First of all, how dare you? Okay, because <laughs> TJ couldn't knock him out. All right, TJ's my guy. This will be a fun yeah. fight. I, I think Asuncao's really going to have to keep up a big pace to 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 stay with the younger feller in here. But man, I, I, I'm waiting for this guy to get washy, and it's just not happening. This is his moment. This is his chance to get back in there and get that third fight with Dillashaw, which I never really wanted because. Spoiler alert, Dillashaw got screwed in the decision the first time around. But when Asuncio stays this hot, when he goes 11-1 and over his last 12, if he wins here, he's very much deserving. And you mentioned that co-main event, Featherweights. Jose Aldo back following that resurgent knockout against Jeremy Stevens, and he's going to take on Renato Moicano. Hey, am I going with Hey Nato as the – I know our, all R's we have to act like they're H's in, in uh, Portuguese here, but – I've always called it Renato. I've never called it Hanato or Hanato. Right. All right. Uh, Henan Barrao wants to talk to you on line one. But uh, <laughs> Hanato, Renato Moicano, uh, this is a sneaky good-ass fight. I think you're right. It could have, should have main evented. We're going to see fireworks because when Jose Aldo turned the corner to begin the second half of his career, he's like in survival mode at all times. Like – he had to pour a lot out of that jug to lose the second time to Holloway. He took a beating. And we saw him vulnerable against Stevens before he finished him off with a killer body shot. We're going to see a fun fight here. We're going to see a brawl. I just hope Aldo's chin is going to be able to hold up because he's not a point fighter. He's not a kick you to the leg from the outside anymore. Old all Aldo, and by the way, he's not that old, but when you consider that run he had been on, it's catching up to him fast. He's 32 and he's got to bang to survive against the near elite guys. He's going to have to bang here. There's a lot going on in this too, by the way. There's a lot of trash talk between these guys. Moicano was called a not – or sorry. Aldo called Moicano not a true Brazilian because he's not training in Brazil or living in Brazil anymore. He's up, actually up here at ATT with my boy Conan. I think that this is going to be an interesting fight. Not only because of what you just mentioned with Aldo, but Moicano is a really good fighter. His loss to Brian Ortega where he got choked out, he was actually winning that fight before Ortega came in and got that choke in. So his only loss on his resume, he was already up on the cards most likely. I think Moicano's strategy will be to nitpick from the outside, just kick, hit the leg kicks, which... Might actually be a bad idea here because Aldo, that's his game plan most of the time, so this might be a kick fest. But I just think that Moicano's size is going to play a big factor here. He's the bigger fighter. He's the younger fighter by, by a long shot in terms of ring activity. I think Moicano should win this fight if all things go according to plan. But you never, like you said, you never know with Aldo because of the way that he's been fighting lately. 
seemingly fighting for his life in there. I, I just don't think he's going to be able to finish off and, and get the win in a in a finish or spectacular fashion against Moicano here. Yeah, Moicano entering as the slight betting favorite. I think it's going to have to be action packed for Aldo to win, and don't don't underestimate what the what the home Brazilian crowd can do in lifting him. But Moicano does seem like the the certainly the fresher guy, the guy moving upward in terms of his stock. This would be a big win for him, though. This would be a big win. This would be a big name win. I don't think Aldo really falls too far with a loss unless he gets brutally sent. But it's going to be a fun fight. It's going to be interesting. I think Aldo, really, I'm ready for him to completely enter celebrity fight mode of his career. Completely enter, let's just make create fun, creative matchups. Can we do a third, or can we do that Connor rematch? Yeah, let's find a way to do the Connor rematch at lightweight. I'm ready for that in his, in his career. Are you down for that? But this matchup doesn't seem to indicate that, though. That's the only thing. This seems like a, let's see if he's ready to get back up to that title talk again. Oh, of which, course, because he's a because he's a commodity that the UFC can use in that regard as a B side. And I understand that, but if he wins this fight, wouldn't that be what a fourth fight in six that have been for a title or interim title at this point? I just I don't know. I think this means more to Moicano than it does Aldo. I don't. If if Aldo wins this fight, do you think that they're talking about him as a possible title, like interim title? Maybe I, I just don't know. Because well, I don't look, think you if, can put him in there again with Max. If they make Max move up, if they say, hey, Max, if you move up, we'll give you Connor. All right? Let's do it, bro. If they say that to him and then they'll say to him, hey, if you beat Connor, you're getting Habib, then you do Jose Aldo versus Brian Ortega for the vacant title. You got business. That's a fun fight. I like that. It's also, like I said, that would also be the fourth out of six, I think, that Aldo fights for either an interim or full title. That's what and... legends do, okay? That's what legends do. <laughs> All right. That's what, that's it. Uh, we got a, uh, an aging legend, Damian Myers back against Lyman Good. It seems like at 41, they're giving him a softish guy. It's one of those, hey, you lose, you could probably walk away because that's four losses in a row. But if you want to linger and be a name, here's Lyman Good. Get well. What do you got here? Ugh, man, Damian Maya has not looked good in his last few fights. But those are uh, elite losses when we're talking about Woodley, Covington, and Usman consecutively. Yep, that is true. Um, yeah, I mean, my heart says Damian Maya just because before that run of three straight losses, he was on that crazy run where he was just dominating everybody with his grappling and, and jujitsu. I just don't know what he's going to look like here. Coming off of almost, what is that, an eight or nine month layoff here? I, Lyman Good is an okay fighter. He's not terrific by any means, but he's younger. He's got more power. It's just going to be a matter of if Damien can get on his back and get into those choke positions because if he can't, then we've seen Damien has nothing. Like when we, when he was in that title fight against Tyron a few years ago or two years ago, we thought it was interesting because he was he was one of those perennial dudes who never got the title. He was in consideration for it being one of those. Hey, he was one of the greatest fighters in UFC history to never wear a strap the because every time he's made. What's that? The ultimate bridesmaid. Ultimate bridesmaid. Yeah, he's he's never gotten to the mountaintop, and it's because he is so one dimensional. He never developed a striking game. He well, never developed. Never is a harsh word. I think his resurgence at welterweight. There was a sneaky good. Striking development there, which helped his submissions. But I thought he went away from that 
when he got into those Woodley and Covington fights where it was just like, whoa, dude, you're not even trying in any of those other categories. Well, it was that, but it was because of the top level of welterweight at this point is able to disarm him. True. Their, their games are just so much better because they're so much more well-rounded. They know how to defend. If they have to know one game to take away from you, they can do it and then beat you up with everything else that they have. Once you take away Damian Maia's wrestling, he's got nothing. That's when he starts doing that laying on his back, waiting, like saying, come on, come on, jump into the ground game with me. And the ref has to stand him up. Last seen in Abu Dhabi against Anderson Silva 2010. Yes, yes, never forget. <laughs> Hashtag never forget. Uh, it's an interesting fight though. You know, I'll watch it. I'll be, I'll be enjoying it there. Same thing with lightweights, Charles Oliveira and David Tamer to steal a quote from your boy. He bangs, he bangs. I'm so excited for this fight. Charles Oliveira is one of those underrated strikers who will just bring everything every time he gets into the ring. He's coming off of three straight submission wins, which is actually surprising for him. But he looked so good against Jim Miller last in uh, December, and he looked great against Christios Giagos as well in September. I don't know what to expect from David Tamer in this fight. I really don't. Do you? Uh, no. Viol- I'd say violence. This should be a fun <laughs> fight. Yeah, I mean, he's coming off of a, a – he's on a eight-fight win streak since he started fighting back in 2013. Jakar Close and Nick Lentz were good wins, but, again, decisions. He's a really good striker, good kickboxer, but this is a great style clash with a, a more wrestling base versus the striking stand-up game. Yeah, I'm with you on that. We're also going to see on this card Johnny Walker Red. He's back, baby, the uh, seven-foot-tall light heavyweight. Taking on Justin Leddit, that will be interesting to see if this guy, Johnny Walker, continues to be for real or if he's just a full-time clown. Hey, don't forget on that preliminary card, Tiago Alves is back against Max Griffin. Wow. I don't know how a guy like Tiago Alves somehow is only 35. I don't know. Like, how is that possible? This guy's – this, like, when was – he bega- He was a thing in the UFC in, like, 05, dude. That feels like worlds ago. He fought on UFC 100. Everybody else from UFC 100 besides John Jones is retired now, right? Am I am I wrong with that? Uh, I'm calling it up at the moment. Because uh, John Jones fought on the prelims for that card. C.B. Dalloway and Tom Lawler are lingering, just not in the UFC. Uh, Tom Lawler. Jim Miller, he's gone, right? <laughs> I mean, we keep saying that, but he keeps showing back up. What about Dong Hai and Kim? He's gone, yeah. John uh, Lynch, Sexy Yama. Wow, wow. But yeah, Tiago Alves, man, he was at the gym when I was talking to Junior and, and uh, Jorge Masvidal last week. He was in there mixing it up with Dustin Poirier before this fight. So maybe? I don't know. I have no idea what to expect from Tiago Alves anymore because every time I get my hopes up that he's making a comeback, he always shatters my dreams. I'm with you. Are you pumped up for Syed Nurmagomedov, the bantamweight on the, uh, on the preliminary card? Is that Habib's younger brother? I'm interested. I'm not psyched up for it. He's, I think he's just another relative. Wow, wow. Just, you know. If you want to find me, please just send me location. Send me location. You know, hey. Yeah, hey, hey. 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 <laughs> hey. All right, all right. Hey, hey, that show. How about that for the show? Shout out to our guests. Special thanks. Junior Dos Santos and Kelvin Gastelum. And shout out to you, wise man. Shout out to the listeners. You're playing touch butt with that dork in the park.
Hey, you got to do what you got to do, all right? Boom me all you want. Boom me! I'm getting money in championship belts! What's up? Yeah, what's up, DC? Uh, hey, we'll be back again next week. Preview that uh, UFC 234 card from Down Under. We got some more guests coming your way. We got some big business coming on this show in the near future, so make sure you stay close to the state of combat. Mixed martial arts, pro wrestling, box AO, all that good stuff. Follow us on the interwebs at State of Combat on Twitter, at B. Campbell CBS, and at, tell me if I'm wrong on this, Brandon Wise 65. You are correct, sir. All right. You have any message for uh, the listeners, for your fans out there before we go? My fans. They're your fans, Brian. We out.